1: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 110. I'm currently recording this in a hotel room in Montreal. The Just for Last Festival is going on outside. It's loud. Can you hear it? It's loud. There are clowns in the streets. Literal clowning going on. And I'm losing my voice having to shout over loud clowns. Uh, but I do want to say that if you're in Los Angeles August 6th, we are doing a Nerdist Podcast live at Meltdown, a.k.a. Nerd Melt, with the Guild cast and creators a.k.a. Felicia Day and uh, everyone else on the show. So please, please, please come to that. We're going to have so much fun. They're going to screen uh, some upcoming episodes. Uh, tickets for that are at Nerdist.com in the sidebar. We'll take you to the ticket link, so join us on that August 6th. i also I'd like to thank our continuing sponsor for the Nerdist podcast, GoToMeeting, brought to you by Citrix. Uh, GoToMeeting.com is amazing conferencing software. If you've ever tried to do uh, a meeting online, you know that it is a pain in the nards. Uh, so GoToMeeting, you can start everything in seconds. Um, everyone can join your meeting in seconds. You will look like you actually know what you're doing. They will provide everything for you, super easy to use, uh, reduce meeting-related expenses. You also get voiceover IP. Uh, it's great. So please, please, please sign up today for a free 30-day trial if you need uh, good conferencing. Uh, have all the meetings you want for one low flat rate. GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code NERDIST. Thanks again to GoToMeeting for continuing to support our little nerd empire. All right, so here we go, the Nerdist podca- Podcast number 110 with Todd Glass, one of my favorite comics, and we're going to be starting a podcast with him soon, so you'll hear about that in a second. Hashtag spoiler alert.
2: Now entering
0: Nerdist.com.
1: everyone sound. Uh, I sound fine. good. So Todd Glass, you get to be the new Jonah because Jonah's not here. I like it. We're recording this early in the morning. And Man, it's, that's it's quick. That's it's, how quick you fire this yeah. up. Does someone else use this? Yeah. Sometimes. Well, you, I don't know if Ryan actually uses this stuff. I know no, he does. Does he does sure. he he's got his other studio in the building though. He's got a couple studios in the building. Well, you know. I'm not gonna lie, this is what I want in my studio. So if it doesn't look like this, I'm not gonna feel it. This like it's actually real. this setup is not as technologically advanced as you think. We're actually running through a large board onto C D minus R discs. <laughs> which, <laughs> which like this studio just missed the uh this sort of computer revolution that what? would have made it to where we could just put things onto to a flash drive yeah. or Chris, or if, just upload them to a server.
2: What if you have all this, which looks, you know, there's a lot of equipment here. And then you go, well, it's actually not that complicated. And you press like the old-fashioned recorder where you press record and play. You're like,
1: okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, that's it over there. To the reel-to-reel. The reel. Yeah. <laughs> I have to like sit with them tape machine and cut the tape and tape it together. Like they did in the old days. Um, yeah, well, no, this, this could be a lot cooler of a setup but it's not and i had a, we all had late nights last night and of course uh i i scheduled this in the morning but i'm sorry because matthew has to go work at that fruit stand computer
0: store that he works at so it's gonna be a good time
2: i have to go. i'm getting my new phone
0: is that what you're doing today good I'll not today later.
1: i'll do it when i get back fine right, i'll leave you alone <laughs> todd glass i'm very excited because um we didn't start yet did we no, no, no. I'm not recording any of this. If so pod- you want to say anything, you know, like that only we would hear, then it's not going to make oh, it okay. out. This is a Todd and i's podcast reunion. Yes. Matthew Myra and Todd Glass did do uh, Comedy and Everything Else together mm-hmm. for a with, long time with Jimmy Dore. Are you guys talking currently? or is, yeah. Yeah. Well, So we're not on the air. <laughs> no, no, no not on the air but if we started or not tell
2: me i don't know yes. i never
1: yes. know we're yes st- look we're f- see we're recording oh we're recording yes oh yes we are okay good yes, yes why are you shaking your while. head violently why are no, you no, why are you like making that. that like cut
2: don't minute. do that don't do that <laughs> yeah. when a friendship's had a little bit of uh you know you don't you don't need
1: any jokes Brody stevens used to do that when uh would like you would be talking to him and then a bunch of girls would walk by and right when they would get with an earshot of you, he would turn to you and go, So why did you hit that girl? And you'd be like, I didn't <laughs> and there's nothing you can say that doesn't make you look you look defensive. Yeah, you just absolutely looked absolutely look defensive. I, I still love the
2: uh, which we've been doing since high school. I think everybody's done a version of it where, you know, like my friend would be on the passenger seat and I would be driving and then I would go, you know, girls would pull up next to us, I'd go, but Hey do you like my red shirt? <laughs> And they look over, they see him wearing a red shirt. (laughs) Not that he goes, No, I don't. (laughs) Oh, you could say. Yeah. And the other thing that a friend told me they used to do, I told him this, and and somebody, uh, a doorman at a comedy club, told me what they would do was they would have a pickup truck and then. If you were sitting in the front of a pickup truck and there was three people, the person in the middle would honk the horn. The person at the end, near the window, would honk the horn real quick and then get down. And then, for whatever the reason, girls would look over. Anybody would look over and see two guys sitting next to each other in a pickup truck,
1: which seems very mature, but very funny. Those are fun. Those are fun. Todd, you have one of my favorite. You have one of my Todd glasses, as you know, man. Myra, mm. full of wonderful comedy games, and my favorite comedy game is the one where. You're on the phone with Todd and he put you you put him on a speaker and he goes, "All right, listen, I'm just going to tell you a really sad story and then when you when you feel like you've heard enough, just hang up." And he goes, "I dare you not to laugh when you hang up." And when you hang up, it's oh, so it's, fucking funny. It's I've I've done
2: it and I've and I've had it done to me and it's so much fun. Even when you like I remember when I did it to you and I go, "Man, I got to be honest with you, Chris." It's just like it's just been one of those months. And, you know, then with my mom passing away, click. it's just, and then I know you hung up and then, <laughs> so I have to play the role of, oh my God, that's the worst friend in the entire world. And you're on the other end feeling like you're the coldest person
1: hanging up on somebody like, a, <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of weird. I had to go into the hospital, but click. <laughs> yeah. You <see> it? <laughs> oh, You That's one of my favorite oh, games. God. You I guys worked work- together for how long did you do that show together? A
0: year and a half, a year and, a half yeah. and we
1: had fun We'd drive from
2: uh, when we were doing we drove, it at- Yeah,
0: every time we drove together We would listen to Stern
2: Yeah, oh, that's right That one was great Because at the time I didn't have satellite radio So we got to listen to Stern And it was <laughs> just like Oh, it was great Just some classic Stern
0: Hours in the car
1: and now Todd's going to do, you're going to do the Todd Glass show for the Nerdist Industries. Yes. Which is exciting. That's Let a big me, announcement. You know what? I really am uh, excited about that. It's going to be fun, man. And
2: I realized, I think the reason I'm excited is because since it was doing stand-up many, many years ago, starting it, it's the purest thing as stand-up is that you're doing. The, in other words, I'm nervous and I'm excited because it's all you. Mm-hmm. You can't say... Oh, if they would let me do this, or they let me do that. Like you can do it, you know. And stand that's up. what I
1: love about it. Mm-hmm. That's what I love, I, and that's that's why I always preferred stand up over sketch or improv. Is that it's you're responsible for all of it—the good stuff and the bad stuff. It's mm-hmm. all you. Yeah, somebody
2: said that to me once, which I understand when it's when it's going bad early in your career. It's more nerve wracking than it is now. Now it sucks, but you don't get as nervous. Right. You know, because you're more you obviously have more confidence. But, so, you know, many people have said my friends that I have in bands or in improv troops or whatever, they go, yeah, but when you're going bad, you're out there all by yourself. I go, you know what? But when I'm going good, when it's going good, it's all myself and I'll take it. I'll take that. You but, know?
1: Yeah. But but at least like when it's going bad, then it becomes I mean, obviously it hurts a little mm-hmm. bit. But then it becomes like an insane steeplechase where you have to see if you can if you can navigate the course and pull it, pull it back out. And that that's yeah. kind of the, you know, I, obviously, I don't want that to happen every time, but if I'm doing a run of shows and they're all going great, you start to get a little lazy you know mm-hmm. you're like ah these will be fine and then there's that one that really that forces you to think and like get your head back in the game
2: yeah no i'm i, I agree i agree because yeah i don't want it to happen all the time there's great to just go out there and have a crowd that's great from the beginning but yeah like i said you're i don't get as nervous anymore Unless I'm doing a corporate show, that can make me sweat like I've been doing it for a month. But um, when there's restrictions, but like yeah, if I'm in a comedy club and the
1: crowd's a little don't bit. use words. Uh, a lot of these people here at this corporate uh, <laughs> gig, they don't like words. Oh Wait, man, what am I, I, ca- to? I
2: can sweat. What's wa- the worst corporate wa- gig? You know what? That's the thing, and I know this. That for me, have you done court? You've done corporate shows? Yes. Uh, they're never. Most of the time they go, all right, it's just the restriction. And it's, you know, I've learned a long time. They go, keep it TV clean. Well, they learned uh, that that's not good anymore because TV (laughs) clean, a TV clean for me is easy. I can, you do a lot on TV. Right. But for corporate, it's like, you know, don't make, don't say this. Don't do a joke that has the word, you know, anything that could be misconstrued. I have a joke about, you know, getting lost and um, someone... I'm going literally. There's a watermelon festival. Oh right, which is a true story. There is a watermelon festival, mm-hmm. and on the way there, a friend wanted to. I'm given the shortened version. A friend wanted to get directions, and he pulled into a Seven Eleven, and he was going to ask black people directions to a watermelon festival. And I freaked out in the car. I'm like, no, that that they don't know we're serious. It just looks just so looks anyway, like you're being a dick. Yeah, it looks like we're being a dick, right? And and that was one of them. I started to tell it, and I go. Uh, I can't tell that joke, you know, <laughs>
0: and,
2: and then there's a million of those things, you know, like, uh, and so I start sweating and then, oh, it's like, you know, sometimes you have to do a half an hour and literally I'll look at my watch and I'm like, are you shitting me? I've done four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and that's when I talk to the crowd. And if they're, I never care. Then, like if they yell out something, I laugh. <laughs> I laugh. I go, "That's taking up time." I don't yep. care.
1: <laughs> anyway, that's, not, that's not the- yeah. Corporate gigs can be pretty, especially because the the money in corporate gigs is really good, mm-hmm. and so there is a little bit of a sense that uh, they own you. It's mm-hmm. like you are there to do a job, and you never. I think you never really feel like more of a product than when you are doing a corporate gig.
2: Yeah, because it is the money. I guess that would be the best place to be in your career, where you go. You know what? I'm financially all right. I don't have to take corporate shows, but I know it's you know it's hard. The money's as you and as you get bigger, the money just gets better. I had one, and I don't want to just curse to curse, even in my own act. When I can curse, I've had nights where I get off stage and went, oh, I said "fuck" too much, yeah, just to say it, to say it. But I I don't want to not curse at all either, because that's I just want to be like I am off stage. Sometimes I curse, sometimes I don't. But my point is, I did a corporate show once. I thought it had to be squeaky clean. It was a little rough. I did like 35 minutes. I got off stage. I was honest with them. They're usually pretty cool. I said, man, that's just, I realized how much material I couldn't do. I swear to you. She goes, oh, there were no, you could have done whatever you wanted. Uh So you know what? I go, I'll go back up. Half kidding. She goes, do you want to? I went back up, did 25 minutes, and the, first of all, just the fact that I told them what happened when I was up there, they and then I killed for 25, oh, 30 that's minutes. Oh, fantastic! That's awesome. Oh, I felt I I remember when I got off stage, I went, oh my god, I can go to sleep now, feeling good about myself.
1: <laughs> I love that. Oh, you can do whatever you want. Do you want to go back up? Yes. Yes,
2: I'll go back up.
1: What What do you say when you go back up for the second time, guys? Guys, I know a second ago I was up here, and we uh, there was the thing that happened. Well, I, I I went back up. Everyone was pretty much still in the
2: room. So that's why I looked at the crowd when she said, because sometimes they file out in three, in two minutes. Right. I said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go back up. They all, they're all sitting pretty much. They brought the lights back down and. I just said, what happened? I said, hey, I thought there were restrictions. I got to be honest, a little tough, but they said I can say anything I want. So let's start by going, fuck it. Uh. And they all cracked up. And I and again, I didn't just start now cursing and being <laughs> filthy. The, the set that I did wasn't, you know, incredibly different. But I could do anything I what wanted if you to got, do.
1: What if you got superstitious and now for every gig you have to go up and do 35 clean, uncomfortable <laughs> minutes and then get off and then go back. You try to engineer that every time. Do you, feel, to, like that's, do you feel like you can engineer that stuff or is that just do you think like, no, those are just organic moments that have to happen?
2: Organic moments. Yeah, because I always say when any, there's a few comedians that do this, it's not just one. So hopefully the one or two or three or ten that do it can't be upset because I'm not pointing out anybody. But that try to that fake moments throughout their whole show. Right. You know, and I, uh, that always makes me think. Yeah, the crowd will like that once, but the crowd's not dumb. Or if the, you know what I say, if the crowd is dumb, okay, they'll fall for it. But do you want
1: smart people to figure you out? Well, it's hard because I feel I feel like some of those some of those moments, they they spring from a different part of your brain than the part of your brain that engineers things. Right. And so that's why they can. It, it's it's a very thin line. Because I think people can see right through that stuff. Mm-hmm. They can see right through it. Yeah, and like I said, if you fool certain people, okay. But like,
2: there's a lot of people that get it, and I don't want to. When I said fool them, I, the people that get it, yeah, I don't want them to go. Oh, I know what this guy does. So even if I could fool certain people, I'm, I'm not. I'm worried about the smart people. No, I don't want to pull. Try to pull something over smart people's smart people's eyes. Is that my yeah, saying? Yeah, smart right people's or? eye
1: eyeballs. Oh, oh wait, I might be getting a text. Is this, is this Jonah? I'm so sorry. Uh, oh no, uh, no, not Jonah, <laughs> not Jonah. Do you, you return,
2: you do return, he's return he's calls, Chris? You, yeah, you do. You're I pretty do. good, right? Yeah. Do you ever have a situation? I have somebody now. I don't want to say who it is because we all know them. But <laughs> if I knew, well, no, it's not. Oh, it's not, <laughs> no, it's actually, it uh, Oh no, no. I swear to God it's not. I swear my mom's health it's not. Matthew thought it was him. <laughs> like I'd be that. Really to do it right next to you it would be. Uh, Todd, come on. Um, I swear to you it's right. not. But if I think somebody, okay, granted, if I'm positive they're not mad at me or upset with me, it still might be upsetting but it it's less most of the time i wouldn't care sometimes i start thinking that i do something to annoy that person or mm-hmm. i think or I, so i get a little nervous and there's somebody now i'm like oh now i'm like i hope i didn't make them mad
1: that's the problem with being it is the downs, and, and and a lot of nerds suffer from this but comics comics in particular because when you're a comedian i think you're forced to you're forced to get into your own head more than most people mm-hmm. than any other profession cuz you really have to figure out who you are to you know i think to be a really uh, great comic. And the problem with that sort of hyper self-awareness is that <laughs> you constantly dissect situations that you're involved in. And that, so that person that you think you probably offended, that happens so many times. You leave a yeah. party and then you're in your car you're like, oh, I, you know, mm-hmm. I said that thing about Big Feet. And then I realized that guy had Big Feet and he probably hates me now. And I've... But what you fail to realize is most people are just thinking about themselves. Yeah. Like whatever that person, whatever you think you said, that person... Uh, was already thinking about themselves by the time the last syllable came out of your mouth. Yeah, you're pro. Hello. Hey, Jonah Ray. Jo- Jonah! Hey, what's going on? <laughs> buddy! How you doing, kiddo? Yeah,
3: very funny. How
1: you very doing, well,
2: buddy? Not
3: doing good. You, someone <laughs> looks like you just rolled out of bed. I didn't get to bed. Are I you didn't serious? get to sleep last night. At all? Um, that would explain the hair. Yeah. Uh, I'm done with El Pollo Loco. I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> with fucking done. <laughs>
1: what happened
3: at El Pollo Loco? No, wait, Nothing wait. happened at El Pollo what Loco? What do you mean you're done with El Pollo Loco? I like this is you do know you, you know think? I had I had I had uh, El Pollo Loco quite a while ago once uh, I remember that's when I when I was trying the Tim Ferriss diet yeah. for the first time and I got yeah. deathly ill for an entire weekend. Deanna had to take care of me. Um, I kind of like I guess I kind of just forgot in time. That maybe that's what it was. El Pollo Loco, and um, and so last like yesterday, like uh, one of the uh, other shows here, Attack of the Show, just like they got a bunch of El Pollo Loco, and I was hungry. They said, "Oh, you can have some chicken," and I had a, a piece, and uh, all night it started feeling weird after the show taping last night, and then uh, got home, and then just, uh, you know, not to be graphic, but pukes and poops. Ooh. Can yeah, I tell well, you, getting um,
2: you know, uh, what do
1: you say? Why
3: like, would whatever. you come
1: in? I'm sorry. That's <laughs> good to see. You're sick, man. You
3: two, you could have stayed home. I I have to come in anyway, and uh, I want I like Todd
1: a lot. I like Todd too. Uh,
2: I I don't for some reason whenever I get night up the if I get like diarrhea from eating somewhere, it never makes me not eat there because I have that happen a lot. Like even when I eat
1: great food, so I go. I really can't just. It, it'd have to happen a lot for me to, to not eat there because uh, I have it just. So you have one of those maps on your wall with the little pins of like all the places where you got <laughs> yeah. it, and like
3: oh here's it. It's It'll like a crime a lab. Brown for good, brown for good. Yeah, it would be <laughs> everywhere. Now are you sure it's food poisoning or not? Like a stomach flu? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. What I is can... the
0: difference between a food poisoning? and Well, a stomach flu is
3: like a it's like a, a it's like a, a virus
0: yeah, that you can term.
1: pass to other people.
2: Yeah. I went through McDonald's the other day, and the guy at the drive-through. I said, "How are you doing today?" He goes, "Even though he's just taking my order, you know, he's not the one." He, I, he goes, "Sick! I gotta really get out of here." Oh, and Jesus. then I swear oh. to God, that's true. And but at first I thought, "Well, he's being friendly," and and then and I'm not a germaphobic. Uh, I'm just I, what I call is common sense things. I mean, things that are okay. You got to touch doorknobs. You got to you know what are you gonna do? Right. But things that are like I'm not gonna. And uh, I, he went to give me my change, and I figure if he's admitting he's sick, it must be real sick. I went, hey, just put it in the thing, you know, for the Ronald McDonald yeah. house. Like, <laughs> oh, that's really I nice. I wonder, And I thought, maybe that's a trick he does. you know. So And then he
1: takes some that's of how, the money. That's, that's how Ronald McDonald house gets a lot of money, is yeah. germaphobes who don't want to touch the money. They're like, oh, just put it in the... Maybe, yeah. maybe that was part of their ruse, like, tell the customers you're sick. <laughs> they won't want to touch the change. Yeah. We've got to help these kids. You had no problem eating the food, though? <laughs> Uh no.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Drake Seder, remember his joke about McDonald's? No. He goes how he goes, you know, they raise all this money or whatever. I'm probably bastardizing the joke. He goes, "Only oh I got is one question. How big of a fucking house do these kids <laughs> need? <laughs> Anyway, well, you
3: look good, Joe. I think, Joe. I feel terrible for you. Oh no, 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 Don't cry for me.
0: (laughs) Um,
3: Why are we all wearing similar shirts? I
0: don't know. That is true. The one time Chris isn't in a collared shirt.
1: That's right. I'm just wearing a t. I'm just rocking a t-shirt today, you guys. Uh, One
3: of
0: them t-shirts.
1: Yep, it's Casual Tuesday. How good Mm. is Matthew looking? He looks fantastic.
2: Let me tell you something. I I uh, was telling him before we got on uh, before we started the show was. You know, even though I haven't, uh, it seems like when I talk, it seems like I lost you know a thousand pounds. But I eat all I do now. I lost twenty five pounds, and all I do is think about what I would have normally eat. Do you find yourself <laughs> doing that, Matthew? Like you're driving down the street, you go, "I would have probably pulled in there. I would have probably yes. gone there." Yeah, yeah,
0: especially when I see the fifty chicken nuggets for nine ninety nine.
2: Oh, by the way, good lord, gotta be a good thing. I'm not even a long time ago. In my brother had to be twenty one. He goes, "You want to be the coolest guy to party." Show up like one o'clock when you're showing up late. Twelve. Oh, go get thirty cheeseburgers at McDonald's. You know what would it call, you know when we did it it was like fifty cents a cheeseburger. Yeah. And he goes, just show up with a bag of cheeseburgers. Everyone's hungry. And the other day, I thought two buckets of chicken McNuggets People at a party. People, you go. gotta
1: be like, hey, I just thought. Now that's actually yeah. yes, that actually. But would it look like you were trying too hard, or everyone would be too drunk to care? I think, I they, think hopefully. Oh God. I think they'd be so excited. I, I think they think they'd wouldn't be excited. think about. It. They
3: would just go so normally.
1: <laughs> normally, sentences that start with "You want to be the coolest guy at the party." Yeah.
2: Do not. Do
3: nope. <laughs> you know what you got to jump, or jump off our, the roof? Are followed up by take this. Yeah.
2: But by, by the way, by the way, keep in mind that was my brother when he was 20, 21 telling me this in college. Yeah. You know, but like, so you're right. Like, what if? Hey, you want to be the coolest guy at the party? Put your collar up and wear a lot of cologne. Yeah. Like. yeah. But yeah, and,
3: college that would like you know that would be the coolest guy. Right.
2: But I think. Even now, you you know, maybe I'm going to reword it different. You're right. I don't want to say I'm the
3: coolest guy, man.
2: Hey, you want to do a nice thing for people at a party? No, you uh, want to be
1: the coolest guy? Yeah,
2: be the coolest guy. Yeah. Give
3: everyone a ride home. Show up with cheeseburgers, <laughs> then
1: pull your dick out of your pants and paint a rabbit nose <laughs> on your I cockhead. I actually 100 tacos because it was a dollar. <laughs> Would that make you? <laughs> <100 tacos, laughs> and put little whiskers on it. Like, hey, did $1. anybody lose a rabbit? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Guys, there's a rabbit loose. Uh, anybody, come on, <laughs> anybody? come on! I'm the coolest guy, I'm the coolest
1: guy at the party. You don't seem cool. Show up like just blasting Def Leppard in your car. Nothing wrong with that, Todd. Uh, I've always appreciated. You know, your your voice and point of view are so strong that it. I sometimes find myself getting into situations where I go, Todd Glass would never approve of this. Like if I give me an example, and I want okay, ex- to give you the exact example because Todd. Todd is has this uncanny ability to tell to be able to assess a room and tell you what would make it a room that comedy would work well in. Yeah, because there are rules like you can't just, you know, like when you start, like sometimes when you do these when you do college shows and and college kids are like, oh, we'll just have the comedian stand over there and you can just tell jokes of people as they come out of class. You're like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. You need a little bit of setting. So when I go into a room Because you have very specific rules for what makes a room friendly, and Mm -hmm. they're right. And so, so many times I see rooms, I go, Todd Glass would hate this. There's a a fucking chasm in between the two sides of the room. Well,
2: and it's, you know, every time I talk about this so much, and I always think, maybe if I do a radio show, I won't talk about it, because have I talked about it too much? But then when you bring it up, it's like Coke to me. I go, I'll talk about it one more time. (laughs) But I love talking about it. Don't get me wrong. It's the others. But... It's not the colleges or the one nighters that always get me, except when a one nighter is being run by a comedian. We'll get back to that. Okay, but colleges—that's not what they do. But when a comedy club can't get it right, it's going to be the death of me. Yeah. It's, it will be because it is—it's somewhat, you know—it's some—it's so simple of a process to do it right, and I'm glad that you said it because I am right. I am right. Uh it's 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 it you know, the things I'm talking about, it's not like little things like, Oh, you should put three sofas in your lobby instead of two. No, dude I'm talking about the hardcore basics of a show. And that's that when you get into a room, it's like a movie theater.
1: That's Go wh- look at a movie theater. That's how they do it, you know. That's why it's fun to perform to perform in, in town with you. There's a we perform at the improv one night and you we you were headlining and I did a guest set and the for some reason there was a big space in between the middle of the seats, like, and people were separated. You're like, no, yeah. no, no, no. You, you got to get it together. everyone together.
2: That's why when I went to the melting pot, am I saying it right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you talking about no, America? The, meltdown. the meltdown. I'm meltdown. I'm sorry. I always
2: say it wrong. <laughs> I say everything wrong. Um, the uh, the meltdown, I, you know, even though I was like, oh, you should do this to the stage. First thing I saw, I was like, yes, they get it. They put the black curtain. Now someone goes, they didn't always have it there. I go, yeah, that's even better. That you thought, hey, we should put a black curtain here. Mm-hmm. So when you enter into the room from the comic book store, you open a curtain, and you go into where the show is Thank at. Thank you. That's you? That was mine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a metal bar at the bottom of it that keeps it weighted so it doesn't Sometimes. blow open. Well, things But, but those lost. little things, and, you know, it's, it's so simple. I remember, you know what, I don't know, is this, is this boring? This is know. awesome. I remember a long time ago, Sarah Silverman's sister, and this has to do when comics don't get it, because it's cheap to get. Sarah, Silf- Sarah Laura. Silverman, Laura, did a show at this place that had done comedy five times before and, you know, wasn't even set up. And I went in there when Sarah's sister did it and I went, you did this, didn't you? She goes, yeah. She, I go, I give her a hug. I go, come here. Little things like when you open up the bathroom door, light would come into the showroom, mm-hmm. you know, the, where they had the show. And she put a black piece of material. It probably cost her $4. So it just baffled. Is that the right? Yeah, baffled the light. Is that right? Put a baffle between...
1: Well, it, con- it confused the light. Yeah. No, yeah. when you open the door, the, the light, light didn't. I don't understand you... where to go. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. When
2: you open the door, the light didn't pour into the showroom. Right, yeah. And then she had a few candles in, on the tables that were near the stage. And she said, hey, when people came in, just sit where there's a table with a candle. That mm-hmm. way. And then, like, little things like that. And then she had unscrewed the bulbs in the lobby. So it was dark when you came in. And I went, yeah, that cost her, you know, $10. And then you walked into the room and she had music playing. I went, yeah. yeah, there you go. And she had a microphone that she pulled behind the stage and started the show. Hey, good evening. Welcome to comedy night. I was like, yeah. So when comedians can't do it right, it gets me a little upset. I'm like, you're a comic. and you. But then I don't know. I don't know.
1: Laura Silverman has one of my favorite jokes, which is she's talking about something. She goes, but I mean, a little pussy never hurt anybody. Am I right, guys? I mean, unless it's a really little pussy. <laughs>
3: God, that's such a great joke. You designed the improv lab, right? Well, I, I went in there to try
1: to show
2: here's what you should do in the, that movie, um, in the documentary, I Am Comic. So I said, you know, I didn't know. No, I just for that night, I did. Oh, okay. I, that night. But they didn't, you know, all, now there's a guy there, Jamie, that, that recreated what I did. But uh, for a long time, you went in there. I did it right. And then they don't recreate
1: it. What we 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 should do is a show with you on Comedy Central. That's a a version of one of those HGTV shows, like Restaurant Impossible. Well, you know what I do
2: have. I do have a show where I'm working with. uh, I was working with Zodiac on a show, but now I'm the Zodiac killer.
3: No, you should really tell somebody. You should really tell somebody about him. (laughs) uh, I, I don't know who is that. He killed oh, a, he killed him. Don't pretend
2: like you don't know because 70s. you're working
1: with him and you're trying to protect his <laughs> no, identity.
2: Because I am him. <laughs> uh, but but I'm working on a show that would would end up in... You know, DIY HGTV, and basically, it's a simple concept where I go wherever I go, I see a design flaw. It could be a house, it could be a car wash, it could well, like my life, it could be a restaurant, and usually it's a quick fix. I go because that's what angers me. If it was a big fix, if I went, they should tear this whole car wash down and rebuild it. No, obviously, that's I can understand why someone wouldn't do that, they don't have the money, but it's usually I go somewhere, I see a quick fix and that's the show and i fix it um and so every week it's a different place and i come it's a you know a cold open i go here's what we're doing today and that's the show we're going we're going to shoot a sizzle reel and then pitch it around so if, sizzle. sizzle but if i could do that oh, that would be my uh that would be my dream show
1: so do you think you're do you, do you think that there that they, there's a mild kind of ocd thing where you when you see it's so like if I if, if 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 my silverware is perfectly set up and someone slides my fork over, it drives me crazy. I'm like, why would you move that? You got to put it right back to where it was. Do you have a little bit of that? I you know There's what a lot of it.
2: I have a yeah. I have. I don't have it with germs, like I said, with touching things or anything like that. And I and I do like people over my house, so it's not like I have it so bad. I do want people over my house and people that know me really well. I always tell people if I clean up around you. I, like my close friends get it. They don't stop talking. They don't st- they don't take that as a sign as I want them to leave. They just go, "That's Todd," and I love that. I don't want somebody to go, "Oh, do you need help?" No, just keep talking, keep having fun. New people sometimes have to learn it, so I do like things orderly and you know and uh, and um like things a certain way i love organization i love when you know when i always say when you go over a rich person's house you know yeah. i've been saying it's in some little everything's got a
3: place and oh, well, they and have so enough room for those things what they have they have enough places to put things yeah. in yeah
1: they they, they they you have the drawer it opens up you don't have to be up. rich to live like an organized person though
3: it's well there is truth to that
1: your place is uh your place is
2: great i try i try it's always a battle of like i want that like you know, like I, I, I remember a long time ago, I've have a joke about this in my act. I go, I, I always tell the crowd, I go, oh, by the way, it's not that I'm rich. It's since I was little. It's the what rich people do. And I, and I say, hey, if you want to be poor, ha, op- and by the way, you should do whatever you want. I say, I go, do whatever you want. This is not, I'm just telling you the difference. Poor people, you open up a drawer, they have, you know, soy packets, old spoons, ketchups, you know, but you should do that. That's what, hey, poor people like to have a mop upside down near their back door drying. Hey, that, by the way, that's probably cleaner and it lets the mop air dry. I'm just saying that's what poor people do. And rich people do other things. Rich people roll their towels. I don't know why. That's well, just what they do. They <laughs> poor people like to back their car into a parking spot. I don't know why. I don't even know why Why Quick. I even think that. But if you go, what? What's he talking about? You go, maybe he's right. I don't he's see right. Quick a get poor away. person. It's a white trash thing to back your car into the mall, mall parking spot.
3: Wait, why is that? Why is that? I don't know. And some because people I go, like no, like back it's in. And if, it's, if it's easy, I'll back in because then when I get back to my you, car, don't have it's to time think. to go.
2: And if you know what? You're right. And I've thought the same thing. Okay, let's say at the mall, especially at your house. But you could say the same thing. You back in. I don't know that one. I could lose on, but I think some people are going. I think you might be right, even though I could have a reason. But you know,
1: well, I remember. Yeah, I remember being in college and and having a drawer full of plastic. And I think it's because when you don't, when you don't have any money, you're like, I never know when I'm going to need this again. And when you're rich. You just don't. You don't. You're not worried because you're like, ah, I'll just buy soy sauce late. Like you just don't. Right. I'm not that I'm saying I know what it's like to be rich. Um, no, no, I know what you mean. You get to a point where
2: you're you, the mindset in college where you're like, but you don't. Know, even the, though I have a lot of money, ladies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a lot of room in the backseat of my Mercedes for fucking.
2: <laughs> with with organization, like here's an. Uh, uh, I half like this theory of organization, but the other half I gave up. <laughs> you I know what I realize? I do. Fucking... You're so into what you're saying. I've learned this when you re-listen to a show you're on. Sometimes I'll, you know, you do a podcast and you listen, and then somebody said something, and then you realize you're so into what you're talking about, <laughs> and then
3: you hear the it, time. and you
0: go, "I oh would my get god, phone calls so from him every week, telling me, Matthew, when you said that, oh my god, <laughs> that was so funny. I go, What was I? What was I? I was just so
2: much like, you know, on a on a path." <laughs> And and the path I'm on towards organization is not that important, but yet I see that.
0: Yeah, when I was a kid, though, I thought rich people drove Sobs and shopped in LLB and catalogs, <laughs> and then that's what I wanted to do. And then when I was like 19, I got like a Sob 9000, and I thought I had made it. They're great I, moments. Did when you? Had did you? Have seats. you had made it? I did. Mm. It went downhill after that. Nah. But. <laughs>
2: Let me finish my organizational thought. Please here. go. So I had this idea. Now I half believe in this. I don't have. Junk drawers because you can't see everything. But I do behind my door into the to the uh, closet. You open up the door and there's a you know those shoe trees that are clear plastic. Yes, you can see what's in them. Of course, well, I. Well, I have that for scotch tape. Sounds weird. Uh, you have someone's <laughs> birthday once every five years. You need birthday candles. You do I have birthday candles? You, <laughs> you, <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah, what? <laughs> Yeah, just weird shit. <laughs> when do you need? When do I, you need it? You know what? When I need everything? it, I know that's a weird one to mention, but I know in one of the pockets they're in there because three. years... But you know what? The day I'll come, where I, go, I have them. But but nevertheless, scotch <laughs> that's tape. That's what orders say. Scotch tape, <laughs> pens. But no, no, it's stuff I need. But here's where here's where I don't have where I okay. took it down, okay. and it has to do where you can borderline hoarding in my garage. I had five of them on a wall, and I just figured, you know, picture hangers. Uh, you know, my no- some knobs I didn't know what to do with. I, I got a new, and I put the knobs. Now I might need some knobs one day. And yeah. but you know what? I got rid of it because sort of. I go, I never know when I'll need it. You know what? It was just started getting junk in there, and I go, I'll buy it if I need it. So the worst thing that go. Oh, but I threw out
1: that blah blah blah. Good, good. I don't need it laying around the house. Every so speaking I, of knobs, you don't know what to do with Matt and Jonah. You guys. Oh no! That was all. That was as far as I could. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize. Nick! Yeah, yeah, yeah. like hey, <laughs> how's it going, buddy? How you doing? I am trying to be as quiet as possible. No, fuck uh, it! Don't and worry. Man, you know what else? To get more.
2: Throw out the, this is what I... throw out. I used to take pictures like you know you take you know when you had before you had old pictures yeah and I go what do I do with them I have a box of them you know haven't take the ones out that mean
1: something to you put them in a book and people hey, throw them out yeah throw them out get rid of it really you know that's funny that you say that because uh. I, I used to go, like go to uh, flea markets and stuff and just hoard old vintage things. And then I got I got rid of all of it, but there's one thing that I have been unable to throw away. I I bought uh you know for like $4 of an old photo album and it's all these pictures from this family, this couple, these people who traveled. And they're from all over the world. And it's all those really old pictures, like they were taken in the 40s and 50s. And it's all of it. I don't have the heart to throw that book away because I feel like I don't know who these people are, but they're memories that are just going to go away if I throw them away.
2: Well, couldn't you take. Uh, if I say there's 50, take six of them out and then put them in a book, I guess maybe. the
1: whole thing is cool. The
2: whole book is is really cool. It's an old photo album. Well, then you know what? I'm going to agree with you there, putting it that way. Then that's something you have out. But it's so weird, though, because I don't know those people. I don't know them. Yeah. I don't know, them. but it doesn't matter. That's the I think what, what we're saying is that that still tells a great story. I don't know those people, but that book tells their story, it, and that story you don't isn't. want that's to die. That's so weird. Yeah. I have
1: no idea who they are. I don't know why. I don't remember why I bought the book. I was like, "Oh, this is cool," but it is it is a catalog
0: of someone's life and their travels from the forties and fifties. Weirdest thing at flea markets I always find is just like why the sell old someone's old photos of, like tons of photos. There's one guy at the uh, Melrose flea market that just sells. Pictures upon pictures of buses. Well, yeah. Like cool. Photographs of buses. Like With, three by five. He's a child molester.
1: Buses, right? <laughs> Matthew, when you have old pictures, you can sew them into a jacket so you can wear your memories. Noodle <laughs> stores. <laughs> here's,
2: here's how uh, much I, that I wouldn't mind the original. And this is one of the things. I know this sounds weird to say it that way, but I always go, I'd have to have like, you know, if I sell my first show and I can just give a thousand, you know, probably cost 1500 to do this. My mom gave me some... She gave them to all of us. Like she gave me a few albums and my brothers. So the ones I have, you know, they're the when pictures are coming out and it's sloppy and I so much want to drop them off at a place and have it made into a book, get rid of the original picture, scan it in. You know, when they put the picture on the page, yeah. like the new way you make photo albums yeah. and, cl- and get rid of those old junky. just get rid of this sloppiness. Oh, I'll get another one. CDs. You know what? I had, I had, I had, I had what? Compact discs? I had, yeah, I had CDs. Some people go, oh, but I, I didn't care. I, I thought, well, come on, do I care? About, I don't care about the artwork. I just, one day I took them. I have an iPod. Oh, my music's on the iPod. I go, yeah, but that's CD. I go, I'll get it. I took them, dumped them into the trash. I go, I could have dropped them off at a place. I, go, I didn't care. And you know what? I kept thinking about getting them out of the trash. I thought, uh, was that stupid to throw them out? Well, I, 30 years from now, I go, oh, I should have had... Nope and when the trash guy took them it felt cathartic I was like
1: good get it's rid great. of it I have a bu- I have like a thousand CDs that are in storage and I kept them around I was like oh I might need I might want to burn some of them They've been in storage Mm-mm. for 7 years You haven't burned I've, any of them? No. Get rid really, of you them. You don't want any of it? I guess I don't. Yeah. Throw them out. Can I sell him years? So I can I take take him to Can I take him to Amiba?
3: CD unless I had uh, I had a digital copy of it? Like I could not part with it, and I had to always double triple check to make sure that I was like throwing it away, looking at my iTunes folder, going, "Okay, <laughs> I have it. I have right. it still." Throw away because I don't care about the, yeah. the packaging. But like, yeah, I need to. I still need. I still need the music. I still want the music. But.
2: Well, the, the the downside is you might. Yes, I. I. And by the way, we talked about your your the book of that family. Obviously, there's certain things. If you have a hundred CDs and you go out and six really mean something to you, remember where you are. The artwork. Yeah, you save those. But the the downside is if you throw stuff out that doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah, you might later go. Oh, I could
0: have used that. But the upside is you don't have shit laying all over. That's true. I would every time I watch hoarders, I clean afterwards. Like it's f- like just seeing how filthy those places are. That's, well, that's how, it how filthy you are. Yeah, I'm like, oh shit! I haven't I haven't touched this thing in a year. I'll throw it. Well, out.
1: I had you know, for me it was because when I used to when I worked at K Rock in the 1900s. Um, they like, you would get all these promo CDs. So I just have a bunch of promo CDs. i like, oh, you can't get this anywhere. This was just one. This thing. is limited edition get rid of it. CD. How about people with their cards? Jars of clay, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> jars of clay. I completely forgot about that. What's jars of clay? It's a band. I think they might be mildly Christian rock.
3: You know, I have a hard time getting rid of free T-shirts. I have a lot of T-shirts that I've gotten from working at record stores. Over charity. The years Give them
2: to the charity. You feel good.
3: Yeah, but they fit well.
2: Well Then then, then
3: keep them But then they're all piling up Then like get, get rid, rid of, of them. them But they all like Make me <laughs> what feel we nice do this for, Oh well they keep I, they them They should keep them They make me look good They make me feel keep good em. Okay. Keep, em, keep them Keep them But they're just I like, got no room in these like, you, nah, yeah, and then you, then you should get, get rid, of rid of them But you know what then you should keep them. <laughs> I could do that.
2: <laughs> no, there's... N- hey, let me... You know what? Here's the... That's another thing that helped me with the organization. Uh, everybody has this with the socks. So yeah. let's say... Forget about my... I don't wear dress socks hardly ever, but my black socks, you know, that you wear with gy- gym shoes, you know? Right. Um, you know, I would buy... Sometimes if I was at Nike, I would buy some. Then I had some here. And then when you have to match them, I got rid of every... It's. It was the best feeling in the world. I got rid of every sock that I owned... For, and I went to Target because I know I can consistently get them there. They'll have them. And I got the gold-toed black socks. Those are good socks. Not. And, and by the way, you know, there's ankle socks. Some are ankle. Some go up a little higher. Yep. Nope. All one. N- ah, changed my whole life. I don't have to get out. Oh, which do those match? That's what
0: I, and, yeah, I did that very recently myself. Because every time I go away, I buy the same socks, the mm-hmm. Hanes. Uh, black socks, and I just that's all I have now.
2: Give it to charity, it's get, get rid of it, give it, it to charity.
1: <laughs> Here's
0: this sock
1: charity. Mm. Hey, you're welcome. You can yeah. use it as a mitt or a germ mask or you
2: a know, bra. Sometimes I'm too lazy to go. The truth is, I don't give anything. Here's the way I do it it sounds lazy. I'm sometimes too lazy if I have like some stuff I want to give to charity. So I don't, I know there's probably a place you could drop it off. I've never even looked into it. It could be right up the street for me, and I should look into it. I just leave it places. Where I know someone will take it. Oh, littering? No, 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 yeah. no, no. Like I'll be. I know there's, feet, there's people that go through my neighborhood and they'll go through the trash cans. So sometimes I'll just take like you homeless know, people, uh, Where people, transients. They're not always. They're they're probably borderline. Sometimes they're just people that collect cans. Okay. Well, they probably
0: are. People
1: who just became vampires and they're coming to grips with their new inhumanity.
0: The landlord called them transients in an email about the dumpster, and I thought that was weird.
1: Transit.
2: I take
0: stuff out of the closet Out of the closet is the best for me yeah, I love. Out of the closet good is a constant. great place to take And you
2: can just take, they don't say
1: no to it? Nope, you can take yeah. it, uh, you just drop it all off They They deal with it, if you want they'll give you a receipt you know I, I I take all my stuff out of the closet. There's one right on Sunset. There's a couple of them around town. They're well, great. I didn't know that, so now I know. Yeah. Now I don't have to. Although my way isn't.
2: You know, my way. I think someone's getting it, so I'm all right with that.
1: Out of the closet's really an interesting place. Like they they actually they give HIV tests to people. Like you, you know, know, there's AIDS awareness. I, I don't know. It's just a good. It's just a, it's a nice it's a nice place with a nice charity. Sounds gross. Is it a? Thr- <laughs> Yeah, you're sure. a twat, Matthew <laughs>
2: like the, It's such a great thing And then the guy who just is so, so Into like a few key words Just instead of it being the wonderful place it is it, Oh, it sounds gross I don't
3: want AIDS all oh, on this new oh, chair
1: No, you guys, that's not how They don't, <laughs> don't smear AIDS on
2: chairs
3: yeah, just, well, then Why are they
1: there? air? Why no, are they? That's not what they You I guys, you're mean. totally missing the entire Dirty sofas with AIDS all over no, them No, guys, huh? they're not selling AIDS sofas What mm, are you doing? Well, I'd rather go to a Christian like place like Goodwill Thank you, thank you Thank you. you. No, thank you. Thank
3: you. No, thank, thank you. Where you, thank you, thank you. Well, you just get herpes. <laughs> <laughs> or these furniture pieces have been molested. <laughs> Todd Glass? I used to pull over and get
2: anything on the side of the road. When I first went to the um, music place on Sunset. Big Amoeba? Music. No, no, they, they have, uh, they, 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 no, they uh, perform, where you perform there. House of Blues. Oh, okay. And they had like, you that know, one like... one
3: music place on music Did I say place? that one?
2: But they, they <laughs> you would go in there and they, it, it made me realize that I could do certain, like, their artwork was like maybe an old window with a happy face on it that right. someone did with it. I go, oh, I can do that stuff. Yeah. You know, so you know, I didn't have a lot of money. Again, not that I have it now, but I can at least, you know. So I was obsessed with getting things on the side of the road. Like, I would see like a TV stand and go, I could do something with that, or I could do something with that. Now, the truth is, yes, I have... Found certain finds that you know you could go. That was worth it. That that was really cool. But a lot of it, I would lie how much it cost me to fix. So I'd be like, I found that side of the road. It cost me twenty bucks to fix it. Meanwhile, a hundred. Yeah. Know?
1: Why do people yeah. always tell you how much stuff costs when they bought it at a vintage store? Like it's always, yeah. you go. Oh, that's a really cool jacket. Yeah, twelve bucks, man. Twelve, 12 bucks. Twelve bucks. Got it. Aardvarks. There there like, why old, are you uh, telling me that? I didn't ask. you. I think you they're t- proud t- of
3: their find. I guess. Yeah. There was an old, uh, old um, vacant lot sketch like that.
1: Oh my God! Vacant lot. Yeah, it's him.
3: like a. Uh, like, so you like these boots? Yeah, rip off Doc Martins. Got them. Five bucks. And everything he got was five bucks and everything was ruined. Five bucks. Five bucks. Who Holy said sh- that? Paul Greenberg said that. Love Paul Greenberg. Who just said it now? Five I did. Bu- oh, you said it again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Todd, how long have you
1: been doing stand-up now?
2: Oh, Jesus. Okay. 30 years.
1: Really? Yeah. And where
2: did you start? I started in Philadelphia at the Comedy Works. And uh, it was great. You know, Philly's I've se- great. I've said it before. I the the club of the owner was named was Steve Young, and I don't know if I would have gravitated towards knowing what good stand up was anyway, or maybe if I worked at the other club down the street where they didn't I don't feel they had the, the good taste that he had mm-hmm. that I would have learned it anyway. But, you know, I felt like, you know, you went in there a lot of times you saw guys like this is before they were super famous, but they were sort of on their way. But like uh, Richard Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, Gilbert Godfrey, Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno, Stephen Wright, uh, just, you know, a lot of great comedians. Roseanne Barr, Eddie Murphy had performed there when he had just done SNL. So it was like, you know, was seeing a lot of great acts
1: and then made that. Jump over to Wednesday night, open mic night. Holy shit. That's great. Well, so you it's interesting because you've seen um, you've you've sort of seen the, the sine wave that is the up and down of the comedy business in the last in the last uh, few decades. But uh, I feel like there's sort of a, a a new boom, a new renaissance, and a lot of it has to do with podcasts, but just like, you know, the the, the web and, and availability of venues and creative performers and. But uh, what, I agree what. So when you're when you're you, you pretty much surfed. You must have surfed the comedy wave of the 80s. What like what happened 10 years later in 91 when you started to realize like, oh, shit, all the clubs are closing. Down. Well, you know, it, it,
2: it, I, I sort of felt like I lucked out because when I started comedy, yes, I would have done it if it didn't pay at all. I know that for sure. I would have been like one of those guys. that was like I loved it. It didn't have to pay me, but it did. Right, so very quickly, and you know, there were so many clubs you were making you know, I lived at home still, but I was making a living off doing stand-up comedy after three years, two years even and uh you know wasn't a lot, but my spent all my spending money you know was from comedy mm-hmm. and then I always felt glad when it sort of tanked that I wasn't big already because then I didn't really get affected by that when it all went oh that's you know, really interesting, yeah, the guys who were affected by it were like there were guys back then, you just because which is a good thing. I'm not complaining. It would have been nice to be a part of that. You weren't necessarily a, a huge draw, but you did the Tonight Show 12, 13 times. So you just got paid yeah. accordingly out of. Now it's either you put people in the seats or you don't, which is actually it's okay. It's you funny know?
1: how doing stand up on talk shows just doesn't really mean anything anymore. I mean, it's fun and it's a really cool thing to do, and you know, it's it's part of the it's a nice piece of the puzzle, but. You know, like, making that appearance on television doing stand-up one time doesn't change a whole lot. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, I mean,
2: I'm sure it makes sense, too, because back then there were less shows. So, you you know, you, you— Although some people say it wasn't as dramatic as people make it sound. Like, back then you did The Tonight Show, and the next day the world knew who you were. Maybe that's an extreme. But, yeah, you're right. If you did it probably a few times— uh, Five times a year that people know, like David Brenner back then was an example, maybe right. that or Jerry Seinfeld. I remember watching on there, but but anyway, but I do agree. Comedy now, uh, what a what a, There was a period where you really didn't see any. You know, would see new comics, but a lot of. By the way, whenever I say new comics, there were also a lot of new new bad comics. Never frustrate me. They're new. It's twenty five year old veterans that still blow right. that make me go. <laughs> really new comic. He'll he'll grow. He'll grow. But you know, but um. In the last five years or four, it's so exciting... To go to like I went to Portland. That's the first time I really realized that I went to go to Bridgetown. I did. Yeah, and I go there is a shitload of new great comics. Yeah, and you know Mm. what's even the the best part about it? I'll I'll tell you who it was. Uh, We were you know when you hang out with a comic offstage and he's great offstage. Yeah, and he's funny and he gets it. And you talk about comedy and you just go. This doesn't matter if he's been doing it two years and you've been doing it twenty five. You just when you when they get it they get it. You can you got so much to talk about and then you see their act and you hope. Oh, I hope they're funny, and you only hope that because in the past that's happened. Where you draw, you get along with someone off stage, and you see their acting. You go, "Ooh, they don't bring any of this to the stage," right? Which is sad because obviously they get it because off stage they're funny, and they.
1: Well, what do you think that is? Before you continue, what do you think that is? Like, what's the disconnect? Do you think people think they have to? Oh, now I'm in comedy mode. I like. Do you think they're too aware of what they're doing, and I, that's why that they're disconnecting? I know what it is because is I it? was. It was. I did it. And and the,
2: the my savior was that when someone told me, I wasn't offended. I took it as a compliment. And you would think I would remember who it was, but it was in Philadelphia. <laughs> I was probably 21, 22, and I was hanging out with a comedian during the day. And obviously I was funny, and I got it. And, he, you know, he saw my neuroses, and he saw, you know, who I was. And he goes, well, why did you bring in any of this to the stage? And I was like, I knew it. Right then, I swear, I went, I, I wasn't like, what? Hell, I went, I'm glad that he thinks I'm funny, mm-hmm. you know? And I started to, literally the next open mic night, I went, I gotta, I gotta, fear. It's easier to do some process generic act than maybe something, you know, that doesn't, obviously, and I know I'm talking to a room full of comics that know all this and probably a lot of your listeners do, you know, uh, doing something, it doesn't mean it has to be deep. It just means if it's going to be silly, what I learned then, this is, uh, it should be Steve Martin silly, Mm -hmm. you know, an inventive silliness. If it's going to be political, it should be, you know, uh, so I thought tap into that, you know, and I, and I, and I started to, so it was just fear. So when I work with a guy now, you see it, you, I know what it was. Cause I, I lived it, but, um, but, oh, so going back to this comedian that we thought, oh, I hope he's funny on stage. And it was Rory Schofield. Oh my oh, God. Wow. He's fucking well, amazing. Not only to me and me and me and my friend uh, are watching him and we go, not only are we like, oh, we hope he's funny, but literally five minutes into his set, which just is fine with me. But, but it happened. I went, Oh, my God, I think he's better than us, (laughs) meaning that I learned something from watching him, which I love after 30 years to be able to watch Rory and go, oh, I got to do, you know, I got to do that, meaning he lets himself go and he doesn't, you know, I always, especially if I smoke pot, I go down paths and I'm always going, okay, I got to get back to where I was at, which sometimes is all right if you're at a comedy club and you know, it's on the weekend. Sometimes, yeah, okay, I want to get back to where I was at. But Rory, sometimes he'll just let himself yeah. go and go. And where it ends up, it doesn't matter. There's no getting back to anything. It's just where he ends up. And I, yeah. I hope I'm explaining that right. But no, I, thought, I know
1: exactly what you're talking about.
2: I like,
3: God, that looks fun. Yeah. Well, he's the kind of guy that will come on stage and think it would be funny to do a, uh, you know, a southern accent for a good chunk and then just get bored with it and then kind of veer off into something else mm-hmm. never mentioning losing the accent never mentioning but still being just as funny as he was yeah
1: no, I, I felt like a tool i did um oh, when i was performing in atlanta last year we did this after hour show that was in an old like so, some comedy this guy took like squatted this old church building And basically started turning it into, like, a performance space. Oh, you're
2: talking about Atlanta?
1: Yes! Did you do that room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's fucking great. I mean, first of all, Laughing Skull is a fucking great room. And then the after thing at this abandoned... like The, the, uh, the, um... Oh, it doesn't matter. But it's it's great. It's downstairs. It's and, downstairs, mm-hmm. and you you walk around the building, and you're sure it's haunted because it's just this old church. But he's this guy who runs it has turned all these different rooms into for performance spaces, and so one in the morning, uh, one in cause. the morning, the show starts at one in the morning, and then Rory, I followed him, and he. He basically just fucked around in the space for you know like twenty five minutes, mm-hmm. and, and, and I went up with my dumb written jokes. I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> like it was so his his was so much more suited. But I feel like what Rory does is is, is you know like I mean I'm not I haven't seen him in a giant venue because when I think oh I should just go up and and just and just have fun with the space and fuck around that's harder to do in a theater setting where there were, you know, where it's a larger venue. Like th- that, those are great sets when it's a little more intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
2: well, you know what I've learned? I'm, I'm believing I'm right with you to, that I meet in the middle. Like I want to try to do, you know, what Rory, what I watch him do sometimes. And I do, and it's fun in those little venues. But then when I'm like, I've learned this when I opened up for Louis CK, that y- you still have to do when there's 3000 people. Yeah. You got to project, but I learned that I could meet in the middle. I can't necessarily do what I did, you know, with 30 people. That's got to be something special when it's 30, 40, 50 people. But I don't have to go always to this act that I thought I had to go to in front of 3,000. And Louie one night said to me, he goes, Todd, he goes, he goes, uh, by the way, just, you know, I love you. This is all I go. No, go. He goes, you don't have to go out there and do the best of. He goes, I want you to do good. He goes, and you will. He goes, but sweat. I like when you sweat. (laughs) Holy shit. And I go, are you sure? He goes. Matter of fact, I'm positive because you go out there, just do it, you know. And you know what? It was great. It was fun. And I had the excuse of Louie to do it. You know what I mean? Like if it didn't go well, I could go, you know. Yeah. And I think once I cheated a little, I went, Louie told me to sand the edges off of this rough theater. So that's what I'm doing. So don't <laughs> yeah. get mad at me. Which then they sort of, but, you know, and then I sort of started doing that every night when I opened for him was like, just, um, you know, it doesn't have to be.
1: Uh, do you write? You know. Do you actually sit down and write, or do you just come up with ideas? Because I, I saw you do a bit one night at the the improv. Where you came on stage and you said you were a cop, you're like I'm trying, try and stand up, but I'm supposed to be working. And you had them, you had them play this, di- you, had, you gave them a CD, and you're like, so I got to keep the police scanner on. I'm really sorry. So just kind of quietly in the background, you're here what about? the whole time, and you would tell a joke, and then when people start to laugh, you go shh. shh, shh. <laughs> hey,
2: I did that. My my notes used to be sloppy because my handwriting is so bad that I couldn't even write notes that I would read, or I would get sloppy with it. But there's a, a my friend, a girl that helps me. Her name is Dana. She She's a friend now. She helps me out. And I memo into my phone the notes, which you can give a real clear, crisp note when you're verbally saying it, like, you know, because you're not worried about spelling words, at least with me. And then I just memo it right to her and she adds it to my list of jokes. Mm -hmm. And then she sends them over to my house. So now my notes are great. But for a long time, that's only in the last year. Before that, just horrendous notes. And I, yeah, I just write notes. Like I don't write out bits or anything, but
1: because I, uh, I I love the idea of, you know, especially with Louis, Louis. I think Louis never really wrote anything down before, even just a couple years ago. And he's one of those guys I like Attell, where they just sort of get an idea in their mind, and they just go up on stage. I saw Chappelle do the same thing, and they just work out their beats mm-hmm. on stage, which is and to me, I don't necessarily work that way. So it's fascinating to watch that.
2: Process. Yeah, I, I've learned to, to again, meet in the middle with that. Like, I'm not Jerry Seinfeld, which, which by the way, I'm not saying that in a negative way. Like, he's a wordsmith. Uh, I'm more do, like, the, that way, like, where I work it out on stage. But I learned I can, like, take a little bit of the Seinfeld. Like, I'm getting ready to do my hour special. And I am trying to figure out, okay, you've done that joke a million different ways every night on stage. Which way does it work the best? Mm-hmm. Because I want it, the night I'm
1: doing the show, I want it to be the best. I want how, it to be. How many times will you give a bit before... Because, you know, I'm sure every comic has that bit that in their head, they're like, oh, my God, this is gold. And then you can't make it work for some reason. How many times will you give a bit before? I have a bit that I've I've given like eight times, ten times. I can't make it work. I'm about to just, like, set it on fire and push it out into the lake.
2: <laughs> twice. You give it twice? Sometimes I'll give it twice. Unless someone can give me a legitimate reason why it's not working. Go, here's your problem with that bit. You know, you got to tweak that. Then I'll go, oh, OK.
1: I do it, I do it a lot because I feel like what happens sometimes is that. The missing element sometimes can just be comfort level for me. So, you know, like bits that I do once or twice and they're not selling when I get comfortable with them and they just sort of sink into my skin a little bit more um, by the eighth or ninth time. Sometimes they can come to life because I'm very it's it's very fluid and I and I feel comfortable. Well,
3: the worst the worst one is the one you try first and it kills and then you try it a few times after that and it just doesn't.
1: Yeah, the disappointment of, I have a new bit. Oh, no, I don't. Yeah, that's a a good,
2: when that happens, that's funny, you shed a new light on that question. Then I might go eight, nine times. I go, come on, that worked. It didn't work. It killed. And then what's going on? And that's the advantage of taping your set. Even though I know how good that is, I don't know why. Uh, In 30 years, I've taped my set. You know, where you walk up at the recorder, you tape yourself. Accidentally, you know, you're... Working on a Conan set or something, and then you have the camera and you watch it. That I've done a few times, but literally, where I purposely walk up, especially with the phone now, tape, drop it on the stool, tape it. I've done it once, and when I did it, I went, "Oh my god!" This was two years ago. I see why people do this. I found out why that didn't work. That worked. That was new, oh, the cadence and that. I go, "I want to do this all the time." Like I couldn't believe it. No, I've never done it since.
1: I record a ton of sets. I just never listen to them back. Which is stupid. Oh, really? Yeah. I, it's, it's like, I, there's no excuse. My fucking iPhone has voice memo, which, will rec- which records.
0: I, I do 15 minutes every Sunday that I'd never record. And I just go, what the fuck? Now, there's no excuse for you exactly. because you're starting exactly. comedy. Exactly.
1: Todd, would you hit him in the face? Like, you should. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. You Sorry. need to You need to be doing that, Matthew. <laughs> That's the only way you're going to. You specifically. You have to do. If you. Listen, you took the time. To go part time on your hours and to start doing this open mic, it, it it is you're talking about 15 seconds of your life of hitting record oh, and stop and making sure just the file. I
0: literally saved. am ready to, to go with it and then I forget.
2: What could I make you do forget. that? Because he's so right. Like even though I, I'm sitting here saying I didn't do I it, but he went for
1: 30 years. He just I think started. I just set an
2: alarm and. And do you, it. and plus you're—he's so. Do it early. T- you know, for me, it might have been a fear of anything technical. You're, you're tech savvy, so yeah. you know you go, "Bing, bang, well, boom," it's I'll, done.
3: I'll say this: uh, sometimes when I'm thinking about recording a set or taping a set, um, I get a little bit of anxiety because then, like, I, I, I'm in fear then of myself later that night listening back. Uh, and, like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like a, um, an ostrich move, where you are just like, you know, I don't want to know. I just want to kind of be in the moment and not think about it. I have the same thing
2: with recording for like a set. I go, oh, I don't want to. It's so funny. It's like. I'm recording even to try to get, like, you know, work on the process of getting on whatever show, Letterman or Conan or Kimmel. And, you know, uh, you have to record yourself and, you know, video. And I I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, Jonas does. I'm like, oh, I just want to have fun.
3: <laughs> go, yeah. What do you mean? I can't have fun if I'm recording myself? You, I go, get, you no. get in your head. You know, it's being, you know, it's not just going into the memory banks of the people there. It's going on right. the uh, old yeah. disc. How many
1: times have you done? You've done Letterman. I've never yep. done Letterman.
3: Oh, you haven't? And you know what? I
1: have to say.
2: Because I don't wanna be one of those guys that's always like, oh, I should have had this and I should have had that. Letterman is my fault. Eddie Brill actually has been so you know, he's Eddie been,
1: books Letterman.
2: He's been yeah, he's been helpful. He's been like, hey, I like that. He was very cool the way he said. It. He goes, You can take my notes, you can I thought he was very fair. And uh he goes, Let's work on the set. And I know when I when I've only, you know, when I say this, it makes me feel like, Really? You're that lazy? And then I, because of what Jonas is saying, I, like, every time it's ready for me to work on the set, I go, you know what, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And then the year passes, and I go, oh, my God, it's been a year and a half since I talked to Eddie on those notes. And then I go, well, I'm doing my hour special. Maybe then I won't have to, you know, I don't know. That's just, but I've done Kimmel a lot. Mm -hmm. They've been really, they've been unbelievable. And they don't even... Check my set out. Like I'll tell them what it is on the phone, and they they've always trusted me. And I guess you know I've I've never really let them down. I hope so. They've had that rapport where I just they just say and I or I have an idea for a weird bit, and then uh, they just let me do it. So that's been fun. You gonna me. wear the lav again? Or
0: what you gonna you wear the lav, mic?
2: I like that. I, yeah. Last time I think or the time before I wore a suit, which I don't normally do. I probably would never do again, but it was fun, and I had no microphone. I just wore the. You know, the like mm-hmm. old times when yep. you did, it was sort of, it sounds weird, but it was you fun. You like having
1: your hands free? I, I, not always, but that
2: night it felt cool. Like I felt like, you know, when I grew up, you watch a comedian. He didn't. I remember the first comedian had a microphone. I, I'm almost positive this was, was true. And it was a big deal back then on The Tonight Show with, 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 a, um, Carson Johnny Carson uh, was Paul Provenza. Oh really? wow! Yeah, because he had a bit where he used the mic stand, I think, for something, and they said, you know, and he and so it was like it was. I remember, like, after you watched him, you were like, hey, he had a mic stand last night. He had a mic stand. No one used a mic stand. Oh wow! Not that he considers that self. Oh, that's my what's groundbreaking about me. But it was an interesting
1: side note that uh, Paul's a sweet guy. I like Paul.
2: Yeah,
3: he doing really stand great up guy. a long
1: time also. Oh my god! Yeah, one of my first. When I was at uh, UCLA, I was in this thing called the UCLA Comedy Club, which was basically this group we'd meet once a week and help each other flesh out bits. And we'd do dorm shows a couple times a year. And whenever we'd do a dorm show, the dorms would pay us. The, we'd get paid as a club, you know, like $100 or whatever. And we would save up money and then be able to bring in a headliner. And so Paul Provenza was someone that, that we Love paid it. to be a headliner. But this was like... 91 maybe mm-hmm. and uh and so we paid we paid him and he headlined for us at do you remember the santa monica improv yeah where, the, where they shot evening at the improv upstairs. they upstairs they yeah. had this like loft yeah. this little lofty space with a smaller room and so we booked it out and did a show there and you know and then paul came and and he headlined he headlined the show that by was Billy, Billy, by the way when,
2: when you talk of a small space. That was a great small space. It was perfect. I felt like it was like, I always say to me, the perfect little place is like when you go into a jazz room in New York, and it might only hold 60 people, but it's run like... Carnegie Hall. Yeah. You know, the ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome. And you know, and you and the lights go down, and then there's a spotlight, and the sound booth might be three feet by two feet, but it's smushed up in the corner and there's a guy up there, and the spotlight's up there, and it follows the performer through the crowd. And so it's 60 people, but it feels special.
1: Yeah. I love rooms like that. I love small rooms.
2: Yeah, they're 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 they can be magical.
1: I would almost I mean, I would rather you know, if I get to the point where I could sell a shitload of tickets. I don't know if I would necessarily want to play like a 2,000 seat place. Like it might be fun, you know, like you, like two, two or three shows at five, five or six hundred, you know, mm-hmm, where you can yeah. really because I really love interacting with the crowd. And that becomes very difficult when the room is larger Yeah, because then people in the back don't know what the fuck you're talking about. They can't see the person in the front. But, you know, that that sort of intimate. We're having a communal experience as opposed to I am talking at you. Yeah, it, it's, it's uh, nice. I always say that, like, and by the way, to be, to be very clear, if tomorrow
2: I had, you know, that type of success where, you know, two years later, you know, you're selling out 5,000 seat rooms. I do 5,000 seat rooms. I do 8,000 seat rooms. But I've always fantasized down the road when you're like maybe Jerry Seinfeld where you go, okay, this is a, a tour for my pleasure. I don't need this money. I, I can't imagine doing a 5,000 seat room. Uh, you know, to me, to me, the, the, well, I open up for Spade in Vegas, and that room holds about eight fifty. And that's still pretty magic. It's pretty intimate. Yeah, it's like eight fifty. So I feel like that's the number. Which where room? You, it's at the uh, at the uh, Venetian. Oh, okay. Palazzo. Just a great warm room. Even the worst. It just feels pretty intimate. Is so it like, like stadium seating, or is it like? It's yeah, it's stadium seating. That's and awesome. it really tears heavy. You know, once it starts lifting, it goes up. So it's very. They're just Those like wrapped around. You've been working with Spade you. for a while. Yeah, they're fun, uh, they're fun shows, you know, do 20, I mean, I love headlining, obviously, because you go out, you do, it's fun to do an hour of material, but opening is also, because you do, I do 20 minutes, fun weekend, you know, enjoy Vegas. Yeah. So how
1: I, how often do you, are you constantly cycling in new bits? You mean in my, I, I always say it this way, if someone
2: saw me a year later, I would have half new material at least. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, you know, this is something I always talk about with my comedian friends is uh, like, well, I'm do, you know, I'm doing an hour special and then I'm afraid to go on the road and do the best of. I always feel like, hey, if guys like Louie that do the hour every year new, I mean, like, obviously you're I'm in awe of that, you know, yeah. to watch that process. But I think if you're for the crowds. I think not one person would complain. And I only say this from someone who went to see comedy before I did it, even at a young age, And I would, go, or even once I started doing it, and I would still be going out to see shows. If I went and saw somebody a year later and it was half new, I'd be like, oh, it was great. It was half new and did some of the old bits. I wouldn't look at it. wouldn't even be a bad thing. It wouldn't be like, it was half new. It would have been nice if it was all new. I still
1: love, you know, because uh, as many, you know, I, I would say my prolific comedian friends are people like, um, Patton and Paul F or, you know, and and every time you see them, they have a whole new chunk and you're like, fuck, it's gorgeous and brand new and polished material. Oh, I still wish he had done that one bit mm-hmm. about, you know, I, I still get that way as a, as a comedy fan. Like, oh, I want to, I do, I want, I do uh-huh. want to see you do that bit again. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you definitely want to see new stuff, but I feel that way about all the
2: Patton and Paul too. And then uh, Brian Regan, the same thing, like. You know, I went and saw him, and it was—I mean, oh, I'll go. I, I loved it, and it was all new. But he did a few of the old bits. I was like, "Oh yeah," and I, it's fun with your friends.
1: You know, you, you're still the same way. You're like, "Oh,
2: you're gonna love this bit." You're gonna. Yeah, I have a question yeah. for you.
1: I have a question for you. I wrote a bit that I really like, but the way that the the only way the bit works, it sounds like a Brian Regan joke. Now it's not a Brian Regan joke, but I feel like the mechanism of it is really more in his voice. But I really like the joke. Should I do it or not?
2: That's a great question. Isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's a re- because I have – I don't – that's why I
2: understand why certain comedians don't want to go out and see other comedians because you're like, oh, my God, they'll start rubbing off on me or whatever. But sometimes it's just you – it's just a bit. You, it came from within you, yes. but you, as you're telling it, you – I have a, a bit or two like that, and sometimes when I'm telling it, I hear if I hear it in my head, I'll go – Oh, maybe I should give this bit to Brian Regan. And then I do Brian
1: Regan, you know, <laughs> uh, and then but that's a good one. I don't I don't know. What do you guys? because I don't you? know if maybe when it, I don't know, if maybe it's just in my head. It sounds like him, but in the way that I present it, it's like to other people, they would never think, you know, but it's just it's just a bit that sort of formed in my head. And when I kind of worked out the beats of it and I said it out loud, I was like, oh, I don't know. That sounds like, you know, like it sounds a little bit like Brian Regan, I think.
3: Well, throughout my set, I notice like I even all will surprise myself where I like oh that's I, I that last line I said sounds like Paul F, and then like uh, the way I ended that joke sounds like Mitch Hedberg. There's weird like I think there's like tinges of it, but there's never really one bit I could say it sounds like someone else. I
1: might but, try it. I might try it and just see. I might try it. I'm doing uh well by the time this airs, this will have been weeks ago, but I'm doing the. Comedy Bang Bang, formerly comedy death ray tonight. I think I might try it tonight just to see, just to see how it goes.
2: How fun is it to go in there and see? see I feel the same way about both spaces. Like that uh the uh the um meltdown. the meltdown and and death ray, just to see like how excited like everyone is in the audience. And you know, some people once in a blue moon, I feel like people that don't work those venues have a preconceived notion of what's there. And I go, let me tell you something, maybe that exists sometimes, but all I know that those venues exist are people that are watching a show that are real excited oh. and attentive to be They're So attentive that when a moron is in that crowd, how good are those crowds when if somebody looks at their phone too many times during a show? at a comedy club that wouldn't stick out you wouldn't be like oh my god i notice it but most comedians don't there they're all such great audience members that when someone does something bad it's like you know, you stick out like a fucking yeah, moron yeah cuz
1: they're mostly you know they're mostly comedy nerds who mm-hmm. go who go to those shows and right. so they see a lot of shows and they you know
2: and i feel like you know what i i always want to and maybe that's why i'm saying it now so they know it and i'm not just saying this when when i go into those two venues especially um i feel like I want to let them know you're you're such great audience members and I think because of it, I think they reap the benefits of being such great audience members. And I want to show bad audience members. See, this is what you do. If you don't know what to do, go watch them. If you're a confused audience member, I don't know what to do. (laughs) But you want to still go out and see comedy? Go out and watch those audience
1: members. Go sit in there and look around the whole show and go, oh, this is what you fucking do. Well, you know, the difference is like... uh, most most people at comedy clubs don't see comedy all the time if you see comedy all the time you you just start to become aware of how you should really be watching mm-hmm. it like you I don't know it's it, it's just a different it's a, to me it's a difference between Taking an upper division physics class and taking a physics one hundred and one class, you know, like people who go to the UCB, that those are upper division comedy watchers. They've seen a lot of shows. They know, like all the hacky shit that works at clubs because people haven't seen a lot of comedy before does not work at the UCB, and so you you just have to, you know, you all understand that you all kind of know what's going on. It's me, a, it's let nice.
2: Me, let me ask you this, because even at a, are we okay with time? Yeah, um, we have like uh, three or four minutes. Okay, let me ask you this. Like, I always say this. I wouldn't ask anybody to do anything or expect anything from an audience that is unfair. Right. So whenever there's someone not behaving at a comedy, even at a regular comedy show at, a, at a, just a good comedy club, I always think, well, wait a second. Look around the same thing at the rest of this audience. Everybody else gets it. So it's gettable. And that makes my anger escalate uh, immensely. (laughs) Because it's like I'm not asking them to... I go, everybody else gets it. So it's gettable. Now, let me ask you. Are the rest of these people in this audience, sometimes 99% of the audience, so we're just talking about one table of seven. Mm -hmm. So if they get it and they're doing it right, are they... Like brain surgeons, super smart or average intelligence or what are they and what are you? Like, look around. If they get it, it's gettable. Are they wrong? Are they wrong? Because let me tell you something. I, I fantasize about, look, are they wrong and you're right or, or, or do they not get it? Do they are you sitting in your car going? Yeah, we went to a comedy club last night and everybody just they just like listened and laughed. Yeah, no. They didn't right. yell. They didn't talk. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they don't know how to have fun. That's so what, get the fuck out of the club and and that's die. What, that's what makes me
1: crazy. <laughs> get the fuck out of the club and
2: die. Yeah, that's and what, by the way, because you know I'm not crazy, painless. Right. I don't want anyone to die in a painful. I don't care what someone <laughs> does. I want them to have a painless death. <laughs> oh, I don't okay, want to say so, yeah, you're right. That no terror so. involved. No just terror. Just drop dead in your sleep. Right. Fade out. Yeah. I say that about. By the way, I'm half kidding about that. I'm all kidding about that to to make my point but i'm not kidding about people that are hateful i've said this before if you're prejudiced and you're prejudice, if you're whatever you're prejudiced about brings uh uh, you know it, it makes someone else's life suck you know if you're sexist or you're homophobic or you're racist my first wish is that you would change that's yep. a good wish that's my first wish i blow out the candle i'm wishing you could become a better and person and you have
1: candles cuz you've
2: got i do hands. have the birthday <laughs> candles <laughs> but my second wish i think i'm serious about this and i want to over mm. it my first wish is that you'll change my second wish is die <laughs> the, i'm that i'm 100% <laughs> serious about it in your sleep die you are worthless to this society you br- i would rather you die than you inflict your pain on someone else so yes in your sleep and if i was sick oh i'd go die a death of pain no pain at all absolutely no pain go to sleep and drop fucking dead
1: <laughs> that's I'm fucking serious. fantastic
2: i am serious some people go come on you're serious yeah no th- <laughs> no i should pray that they're here to bring their well, that, stupidity that's onto other crazy. people, like,
1: like if someone if someone shouts out a total a dumb heckle and they think they got you because you get mad, you're like, no, 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 I'm I'm angry because what you said is so fucking stupid and hacky. You, I'm angry that you're that stupid. There's nothing more dangerous than a stupid person who thinks they're smart. Like, that I think is the one of the most dangerous things. In the oh world, yeah. stupid people who think they're smart. And you're like, you're too fucking dumb to know you're not smart. Misinformed uh, and stupid. You make me angry. <laughs> well, listen, we have a couple, of things, we have a couple of things to cover before we get out of here because we just have a couple minutes. But number one. I you, got a plug fest here. You have a plug fest. First of all, you and I first met both doing an episode of Married with Children we did. <laughs> back in 1997.
2: I was so, you know what? So I know we're going to close here, but I've told you this before. It's funny. I was so nervous. Really? Like, when you came over, I was like, hi, how are you? Because I knew you were, you know, because I had seen you on TV. And, you know, you're like, I'm like, hi, how are you? And, like, I thought you were hanging with them. And I looked over, and you're talking to all the well, Married with Children. You knew all the people in the show. And you were like, hey, what's up? And I'm, like, over there with my one stupid line. I couldn't even remember <laughs> Todd it. played a cop. Yeah,
1: Thanks. I played a I played a VJ.
2: How did <laughs> wow, I get that role? Stretch.
1: Can you do me a favor?
2: Can yes. I? Can you give me thirty seconds to just I rip want you to this? plug
1: the shit out of whatever you want to plug? Because people, listen, my my I I cannot recommend Todd Glass enough to people. They have to see you live. the, the your live shows are so much fucking fun. Thank you. I
2: and, do appreciate that. And so hopefully
1: that. that's what, what you're about yeah, to say.
2: Yeah, the L Ray is on August 6th, okay. and that'll be my uh, tickets are available there. That's my one-hour special. And then to get ready for it, we're going to shoot it. I'm going to the Comedy Bar in Toronto, and I'm going there this Wednesday. So whatever that date is, Comedy Bar in Toronto. If you live in Toronto, call the Comedy Bar. Okay. Um, whatever. I start on the 20th okay. of uh, July. This might not post by then. Okay. Well, then I've been there, and it was great. <laughs> and then the Laughing Skull... The last week of July, the last Wednesday through Sunday of July, I'm at the Laughing Skull in Atlanta. And again, if you've never been there, they do every single thing right. Yeah, I have a blast there. Marshall
1: runs that place, so it's a gorgeous space. Oh,
2: what a great little venue. And, uh, And then my new podcast, The Todd Glass Show which I have like I said I haven't been this excited about excited and nervous uh, as since when I started stand up and I'm so uh,
1: glad you're doing that and I'm so glad that we're going to produce it for you I, to, I don't mm-hmm. I'm not even 100% sure what your show's going to be I, you just you said you wanted to do a podcast, and I was like, okay, whatever you want, whatever you want.
2: Yeah, that was, I <laughs> know, it's funny, because that's when I got nervous. I'm like, wait, there's no guidelines. If it, <laughs> nope. if it messes up, I Anything can't blame Chris. It's all you. Chris yeah. is making
1: me play music. All the time. I'll you lie. stick to the playlist. Yeah. You know, smash mouth at the
2: top of every hour. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, thank you, Subaru, for giving my mom a Subaru. God love really? you. Yes, they did. Are you serious? Oh, wow. Yes. Subaru tweeted that.
1: Why did they give your mom a Subaru? Uh,
2: because they're not. Cause they're, because they' uh, because they're nice. Because I had uh, done a live remote out of their headquarters and we talked about my mom wanting a Subaru. And some time had passed. And uh, this is uh, you know. We got
1: to start going big. Like I always feel bad for like yeah. Gaffigan who made a big bit out of hot pockets. Like oh
2: great I have fucking hot pockets all the time yeah. now for life. Yeah, well, great. that's my new tag phrase. But they didn't ask me to do it. Matter of fact, they've asked me not to do it. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, after my jokes, now I go Subaru vroom vroom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Todd Glass, you are a delight. Uh, can people follow you on? Are you on Twitter? You're on Twitter. Do you know that Subaru has the highest safety rating out of all cars? I, you know, I was not aware of that Todd. Yeah. That is a, that is a weirdly uh, gorgeous fact that yeah. is
2: completely unmotivated. Well, if you want to put your kids in an unsafe car, then buy another car. But if you want your kids safe, buy a Subaru. Well, uh, my website is what? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I have a. What did you ask me? Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter yes, I uh, I'm twittering. It's uh, Matthew. What is my Twitter? Uh, at Todd Glass. At Todd Glass.
1: And your tweet, your tweets are uh, as solid as the uh, construction frame of the Subaru, which, uh, by the way, has a very high safety rating. <laughs> uh, my t- my tweets were horrendous
2: for a while. Um, thanks, due to all the people that follow me for being patient. But now I'm trying to to I'm I'm getting the tweeting thing. Okay. You know, for a while when I tweeted, I had to call the people to do my website verbally tell them my tweet, and then they would print it because really? I was that bad on the phone. Now it's a different. Now I'm now I'm good. Matthew has been. Uh, a a godsend helping me. Good. Imagine
3: getting that's those right. calls at three in the morning, Matthew. <laughs> How do I send it I'm sorry, Todd. It's just a few characters too long. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. You
1: need to get it down to 140. What? 140.
3: Oh, poor Matthew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's the end of the program. <sighs> Enjoy your Subaru program. rum
2: rum. <laughs> Vroom vroom, Subaru vroom vroom. Vroom vroom or vroom vroom. Subaru vroom vroom. Is it
1: like vroom with a u and an umlaut? V R O O M. Okay. Vroom vroom. So what bye. about Subaru Room? Ooh. Oh, wow. I like Sorry, it. I saw your eyes light up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What? <laughs> we gotta call these. Things,
2: hey, can you? they? Can your fans tweet Subaru and say Subaru rocks?
1: Uh, while you're at it, tweet out Aston Martin for the fucking <laughs> <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I just I want to take nine. down. I'll a nine. Nine. <laughs> DB nine. DB nine corolla has got one. What I if you said so low, you go, can you tweet? I need... Oh, I just spit if something out my mouth. we did out five out podcasts mouth, a week, we could all have one. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, let's tweet out $1, 000, 000. <laughs> 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 a million dollars. a million dollars. <laughs> that worked for some asshole on YouTube. <laughs> uh, million dollar homepage. <laughs> now
2: leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
1: This episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by GoToMeeting, the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. For your free 30-day trial, visit GoToMeeting.com,
0: promo code NERDIST. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.